SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And good afternoon. Welcome in. It is Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid for the next two hours, getting you ready for your fantasy football draft, which I'm guessing is coming up real soon, whether it is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe it's Labor Day weekend. Of course, we are going to get you ready. We have all kinds of preparation tools and information. In fact, on today's show, if you have the first pick overall in your fantasy football draft, this show is really for you. Because later on in the show, what we're going to do is take you through pick by pick who you should end up with on draft day, according to my co-host, Joe Pizapia, who joins me as always here on the show every single day. Joe, it's great to see you here on this Tuesday. I know it was certainly a busy day in your fantasy football world. In my world, it was a baseball trade deadline day. And here we are again today. What's going on? That's right. Speaking of useful tools, here I am, Joe Pizapio, getting you ready for football season. And yes, this is going to be a very fun show today. I love this series. We're starting today. Uh, we are going to be rocking out every day a different draft slot and going through them. I've already done tomorrow's for number two. We're working a day ahead here. Uh, I think this is a great way to approach things, to take a look at what the thought process is behind picks and something that I don't think anybody else has really done. So Craig had a very good idea, and I'm very excited that we're going to be doing that today. Plus, We've got more previews of each team coming up, so it's like a fantasy football day, and I am super excited for it, baby. Woo! Yep, here we are. Yep, next Thursday we've got uh, we've got the season opener, so of course we're going to be doing a lot of fantasy football discussion. Uh, that that's basically the primary goal of this show moving forward. Although I will say today, for those of you who watch the show for baseball and for fantasy baseball and for trade deadline discussion. Uh, this is going to be your day because, of course, we are not going to ignore baseball. And we're also not going to ignore baseball over the next month. It's just that, you know, honestly, a lot of people at this stage, uh, you know, some people are are not as interested as they are in fantasy football. So we have to make a conceptual decision on how we do the show here. And so if you're a huge football fan, the show, certainly you'll love it. If you're a baseball fan, you know, that's where my heart is. And, of course, I'm going to take care of you guys over the next month. Uh, or two, or three, or four, however long this baseball season ends up going, although it looks like it's going to end next month. Uh, Okay, let's get to the headlines here on this Tuesday here on Fantasy Sports Today. Yeah, the trade deadline did see a flurry of action, uh, and and we did see some teams sort of going for it here a little bit. The Padres are going for it. The Blue Jays are going for it. You could even say the Marlins, to some degree, are going for it as well. So we will review some of the trades and talk about some of the players from both a fantasy and reality impact coming up in just five minutes. So stay tuned to that. Wow, we broke this news yesterday here on the show. Uh, We didn't break it. We basically regurgitated it. But regardless, Alvin Kamara of the Saints is sitting out. And as of 12.05 Eastern, 9.05 Pacific, he is still not back in Saints camp. So what does this do to his trade value coming up this week and next week? We're going to have to dive into that. There are different reports on the Chargers' Derwin James. This would be a real bummer if he is out again. And last year, the Chargers basically said that this was the reason why they struggled so much in the first four games of the season last year, and then he came back eventually. But uh, it looks like he's going to be out a month with another injury. This is really bad news for the Chargers, and he plays certainly uh, in a division where they throw the ball a lot. That's probably most divisions, honestly, in football, but you know, Kansas City is in his division in particular. Uh, Miami Heat... Uh, they upset the Bucks. Adam Ronis here on the show yesterday was talking about this, and 
I can tell you here in South Florida, they are extremely happy with watching this. It's been a while since the Heat has been really good, and it looks like they're really good. They upset the Bucks in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. Jimmy Butler had what we would call a star's day in both reality and fantasy. Great, uh, great DFS day as well. 40 points for the Miami Heat, as Butler, of course, has been waiting for this moment to play on a really good team and see how far he can take that team. Maybe this is the Heat. Maybe this is it. He definitely outplayed Giannis, no doubt about that. And uh, and the Thunder pushed the Rockets to Game 7. So we got a Game 7 in the NBA uh, on Wednesday as well. And uh, tonight, of course, the world will be watching this game tonight to see who outduels between Jamar Murray and Donovan Mitchell. These guys probably will have 50 or 60 points apiece tonight. I cannot wait for that game tonight. Hopefully I get back from the Marlins game in time to watch the end. And that's where we're going to start off today, Joe, here on the show. I know we have some fantasy football news to get to as well. Some injuries I saw today on the, shockingly, the Jets side of things. But uh, that's where we're starting off today. Yeah, well, look, uh, the Alvin Kamara news obviously yesterday came down, and it's not shocking, but at the same time, I think we have to sit back for a moment and take a look at the grander scale as we welcome in the radio audience here over Sports Grid to Fantasy Sports today. Welcome, welcome. And we're talking about Alvin Kamara right now. And the way the Saints are built right now, this window here with this roster is coming to an end shortly. They have a lot of age on this roster. Drew Brees missed some time last year. You know, there were even thoughts about Drew Brees maybe not coming back this year. That was even kind of kicked around a little bit. And I think they're going to do everything they can to get Alvin Kamara back and ready. So I would not overreact to this news. Many people have drafts tonight, tomorrow, and all of a sudden people are starting to panic a little bit. I would not. I would not move Alvin Kamara past a slot or two. I'm certainly not moving him out of the first round. That's ludicrous. I think you take him no matter what. Uh, I think the Saints have every single reason to make sure that they get him into camp because I don't think they want to go in there with just Latavius Murray. This is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. This is a team with a loaded roster. They are in win-now mode, so they will figure out a way to make this work. That's my instinct from a football side and how that influences the fantasy side of things. So that's my take. I'm curious if you have one of this, Kamara. Are you a little bit more worried about the situation than I am? Oh, yeah, for sure. If I'm drafting now, I am very concerned because uh, the, the Saints really at this stage only have a week to go to make a decision. And knowing the way that Sean Payton does business, this is the old school Giants way. I would guess that if he is not in camp by the end of the week, there's a chance we may not see him week one. Now, the Saints could lose <laughs> and then we could see him week two. And remember, he has been in camp for the most part. I would tell you that just from a contract point of view, and a reality point of view, the reason why this is alarming, Joe, is because he waited so long to start the holdout. Something must have happened in between the last couple of weeks and now to make him leave. I don't think he comes right back. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today and our fantasy standouts. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. The Major League Baseball trade deadline is in the books. The teams that you see for the next 30 days are the teams that you'll have in fantasy and reality. A really compelling season I think uh, really magnified the Major League Baseball trade deadline. And Joe, I think for a lot of us, and me especially, of course, reporting on it, but I think for a lot of us who like baseball, the trade deadline represented maybe the biggest day of normalcy mm. that we've had <laughs> in this baseball season because you heard a lot of rumors and there was talk and there was trades. And it's like we forgot for a minute 
that were sitting in the middle of the pandemic and even two major league baseball teams aren't even on the field. So uh, that, that to me was, was really nice. Those day, these days for me, trade deadline days and winter meetings days are basically, uh, they are exciting for me. They're exhilarating, but they're also a nightmare because that basically means that my phone is being held in my hand for the entire day until right. four o'clock Eastern. And then once it ends, I'm like done, you know, <laughs> but that's, that's basically the way that it goes. And, and, and I, and I think it's like that for fantasy players too. I, mm-hmm. I think that if you're a fantasy baseball fan that can make moves, you want to see if your guys are going to get moved or get traded. And, and there are a few people who we're going to talk about here. One in particular, that was a closer. I, I don't think is going to have any fantasy value the rest of the season. So um, if you don't mind, I, I think we should dive into that first before we do our standouts. No, a hundred percent. Yes. And it was actually a busier trade deadline than I think any of us could have possibly anticipated. For sure. It started me, early me and it went late. <laughs> I think that's great. And you're right. It did feel very normal and normal is something we don't get to feel very often in 2020. So uh, I think it was a welcome respite for all of us and uh, certainly very telling too for a couple organizational standpoints, which I'm sure we'll get into right now. Yeah, well, well, let's start off with the Padres. The Padres made a lot of moves, but none bigger than getting Mike Clevenger, and we discussed this a little bit on the show yesterday as well. This was the predominant move, I think, that catch people's attention, and and really for 2021 as well, because it's it. I think I think the DH will be full time next year, but since I'm not sure of that, I want to circle Mike Clevenger's name for next year too, because if he gets to face the pitcher. A few times in the over the course of a ball game, Clevenger is going to be better, I think, in San Diego than he was in Cleveland. Of course, there are issues with this guy for sure. They're just it has to be said because Cleveland just does not trade a guy like this unless they under, unless something's going on, and you, you just have to know that. And so uh, he goes there. Uh, the Marlins made a couple of deals. One you do not see here on the screen that was Jonathan VR going to Toronto, and, and certainly he'll play until Bo Bichette comes back. Then I'm not really sure what his role will be, but for the time being, he plays for a week or two. Starling Marte, though, is the big one. He goes to Miami from Arizona and essentially is the Marlins' new leadoff hitter every single day, and so uh, we could talk about that trade in a minute. Uh, Robbie Ray needed a change of scenery from Arizona. The Diamondbacks just punted. It's a really disappointing season for me with Arizona, one of the biggest disappointments. They go. Uh, Robbie Ray goes from Arizona to Toronto. Hopefully this will be good news for Robbie Ray. needs a new change of 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 scenery for sure. Archie Bradley was a really big one for fantasy. He was really good as the closer for the Diamondbacks, and they were only winning games that were close. Like there were very few blowouts. He was perfect, and he was an original Diamondback. He pitched, with, I think he's been in the organization for nine years, mm-hmm. and now he's the setup guy essentially for uh, for their closer there too in Iglesias. Ross Stripling goes from LA to Toronto, so bummer for Stripling can't get a ring, but at least he's going to get to play more with Toronto. Maybe they'll do well for him. And then a nice story to see Todd Frazier go back to New York and go back to the New York Mets. I don't know how much value he'll have, Joe, in fantasy. Also, the Mets acquired Miguel Castro. I want to make sure I mention his name because I really, really like Miguel Castro. I thought that was a big win for the Mets there. But uh, among these guys, who would you say fantasy-wise piques your interest? Well, don't worry. We'll ruin whoever's good. So I would say, first off, <laughs> as a Met fan, that's going to happen. Second of all, love that uh, picture, Castro. Hey, I'm just keeping it real, bro. Keeping it real here yeah. on the program. Clevenger is a huge addition. It's funny because last year, the Indians sent, which was a perceived problem in Framil Reyes, over to Cleveland. And this year, Cleveland returned the favor and sent their problem child over to San Diego, which I thought was really interesting for the relationship between those two teams. And this is a huge win here. It's not very often you get to add an ace, and he is the big ace that moved at the deadline, no doubt about that. 
And clearly the other story is the Diamondbacks. And I was so surprised this offseason at what the Diamondbacks did because I can understand taking a shot on Marte. They didn't give up that much. But then when they signed Bumgarner, to me, it didn't make a lot of sense. They have such a good young organization here. They have some great young outfielders coming through this system already. They have another couple pieces that are very exciting. Gowan was a great addition. And then they put a lot of money into Bumgarner. And I know they won a bunch of games last year when nobody thought they would after they traded Granke and Goldschmidt. But I thought this was a bad move by them. I thought that youth movement should have continued and should have built, built, built until you could really contend with the Dodgers. And I think they probably felt like off of last year, maybe we can. And I don't think that was correct. I think it was fool's gold. And uh, now you see kind of the gutting of an organization here again, two years in a row here, back to back uh, for the Diamondbacks. So we'll see what happens going forward. But that, I think, was the other real story of the deadline. Yeah, and Diamondbacks do get Caleb Smith back in return. They get Humberto Mejia. And uh, but they lose Archie Bradley and Archie Bradley was, I, I think, the longest tenured member uh, of the Diamondbacks there. Um, and uh, Mike Hazen, their vice president and general manager, talked about how it really doesn't matter how long you've been with the Diamondbacks at this point. The team isn't winning and changes had to be made. The, the decision was a was a challenging one personally. Um, I know the fans are, he's, he's a fan favorite for a reason. And that's a tricky one for us to, to factor into, you know, we want to keep our fan favorites and, and our, and our diamondbacks that were drafted and developed here, here long-term. Um, we're, we're not in a position currently to, to do that with this team right now. Yeah, and, and Joe, that's just the nature of this. Uh, Diamondbacks are one of the underperforming teams in baseball, and so the moves had to be made, and Archie Bradley no longer with Arizona and no longer a closer. Not much you can do about that. And by the way, a reliable closer in 2020. So uh, that's the one, I think, negative in terms of fantasy with Archie Bradley. Let's get back to the positive and take a look at the fantasy standouts from Monday night on the field. Paul DeYoung had two hits and hit a grand slam for the Cardinals. It was their big hit as they beat the Reds. Eugenio Suarez is having a very bizarre season. He, I think he must have went one for his first 30 or something like that. Uh, all of a sudden, he's been on fire, but he's not getting multiple hits. He's getting one hit every day, and every day it's a home run. He went from like one home run to eight in the course of a week, but his average is still under 200. Maybe it's the shoulder issue that, that started him slow, but he drove in four runs. Circle his name. I think he's going to have a big month. Uh, Marco Gonzalez... For Seattle, nine innings pitched, complete game, earned run, eight strikeouts. This guy just somehow finds a way every year to be relevant in fantasy. And, and look, he's doing it on a Seattle team defensively that was the worst in baseball last year. So credit to Marco Gonzalez as he picks up his fourth win. Nationals do not win, but it won't matter. Any day, any game, any moment, Juan Soto could go deep. And, oh, he only hit two more home runs yesterday to give him 11 on the season with four RBIs. If Juan Soto didn't miss the first week of the season, he may have 20 home runs, maybe leading the league in home runs, really. It's, uh, I mean, I just don't know many players that are better than him overall. Uh, and, and in terms of the American League, how about Lewis Robert? The White Sox, Joe, are just unstoppable offensively. They are the new favorite team for a lot of people just watching these guys hit. Robert, in his first big league season, was given all kinds of money to sign with the White Sox. 10 home runs, you kidding me? In his first year with two RBIs, two more hits for him? Incredible season he's having, Joe, too. Uh, Robert was worth every ounce of the hype that he was given before the season, no doubt. Yeah, and if you had turned in uh, earlier to the show uh, as we were approaching the baseball season, we talked about at length that Robert is so good and the season is so short. 
there's not enough time for other teams to catch up to him really and find out and expose uh, the the faults he does have. And he still strikes out too much. That's fine. But you know what? Tatis struck out a lot too last year and look how he's doing this year. So uh, these kids are just unbelievable. Juan Soto has been absolutely brilliant too. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this kid. The question is, can he win MVP? He's that good on a team that's in last place. Craig, I'll put that question to you. Do you think Juan Soto is MVP in the National League on a last place team that's the Washington Nationals? I don't think so, but he's having a great year. There, there's no doubt. I, I'm watching it would have to win a little bit, I think, for him uh, to win it. But he's going to be in that conversation. There's no doubt because the Dodgers have just so many performers that are doing it at a high level that some of them may cancel each other out. But I think he'll be in there. I think the the conversation is fair, and I I definitely think that there's a chance. Will he win it? I don't know. I think the Nationals have to win a little bit. All right, we got two NBA games coming up a little bit later today, and uh, they're both going to be a lot of fun. you got the Celtics and Raptors, a very tight line here. Uh, you got Jazz and Nuggets. It's probably the best game of the NBA playoffs thus far at 930 Eastern, with Murray and Mitchell going head-to-head. Uh, high total in this one as well, so you know what that means. It's time for our tip drill to find out who to play in DFS. But first, we got Chris with the update. Don't go away. We'll be right back here on Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Yeah, Greg is right. It is Game 7 tonight, so we'll all be tuned into that. But very soon we'll be drafting our fantasy football teams. I know I have a draft on Sunday and Monday. I think that's it for me this year. Two drafts. Looking forward to doing those Sunday and Monday. It's time to dive into a little smoke or fire. Boy, there was a lot of smoke or fire this morning, too. I think that we have our pick now that it's getting a lot closer to the start of the season with a lot of different reports, Joe. And so uh, it's, we got to wade through it again today. So let's get started. And start off with the latest in Detroit, and this is coming from the Detroit Free Press. And speaking about Kerryon Johnson, Johnson, the Lions' leading rusher each of the last two seasons, is the favorite to start at running back when the Lions open the regular season. Now, uh, Joe, we understand that DeAndre Swift hasn't been on the field very much. I still like him a lot for Dynasty. But as we're starting to realize here with rookies, Joe, all of a sudden there's been a lot of pullback. There's been pullback Mm -hmm. on Swift. This morning, there was pullback on Tua. Uh, There was pullback this morning on T. Higgins. There was a report I saw this morning that said he's going to be very limited to start the season as well. And so this shouldn't come as a big surprise because it just seems like with the lack of preseason and the lack of training camp, the veterans are going to be the ones that are going to end up benefiting from this. And I would say in the early part of the season, if you asked me if this is smoke or fire, I would say it's fire. First few weeks, carry on Johnson, probably going to play a lot more than we thought a month ago. Yeah, it's definitely fire, and it's something that I've been sounding like a broken record about for the last two months, all summer, basically, saying, hey, look, it's a very weird offseason. Yes, I understand a lot of these rookies have talent, but even the Jonathan Taylor recently, too, a little bit of pullback there, and a lot more Marlon Mack all of a sudden in the last 24 hours, 48 hours. So uh, I think the Andre Swift right now, he's that one guy that really hasn't moved very much in ADP this entire time, whereas Taylor's moved up. Clyde Edwards-Lair clearly just skyrocketed. But Swift is the interesting one because if he even falls now a little bit because of this news, that makes him intriguing because if you end up taking him as your fourth running back and you can wait there on the bench, and Carrion does have an injury history, let's not forget that either. I think that there's some opportunity there. I would also say about some of these young players, like Swift in particular, that if people are going to overdraft them in redraft leagues, just sit back, wait, 
and maybe about a month into the season, start throwing out trade offers for them in your leagues because they might be better trade targets than draft targets because of the capital it's going to cost you to get them in a draft as opposed to getting established NFL talent on your roster that you know is going to get you off to a good record to start the season. All right, let's move over to uh, the Bengals situation and let's talk about Tyler Boyd. Uh, right now, this is uh, a report from the Bengals website, I suppose. Uh, Boyd is supposed to have a big season, is going to have a big season, excuse me. This is coming from his quarterback, Joe Burrow. I have a great connection with him right now. And, um, and look, the Bengals are going to be a little bit unpredictable to start. We know A.J. Green has had his issues staying on the field for sure. I thought personally, Joe, that Boyd, to me, was one of the bigger disappointments last year in fantasy because I, I know the quarterbacking wasn't great. But I felt like there were games, and I watched them all, that he would just disappear. Like, you just wouldn't even hear his name for a target, and this would go on for games. You'd have two or three in a row, and then you, you just wouldn't be there. Now, I don't know. Maybe this changes with Burrow as quarterback there, and certainly his talent level is a lot higher than anyone they had on the field last year. But I'm just, I don't know. I'm not buying back in on Boyd after what I saw. I don't know. I'm just, there's, there's something about him that's missing for me. Yeah, the thing that's missing is A.J. Green, healthy. <laughs> when A.J. Green is healthy on the field, all of a sudden you got single coverage on the other side for Tyler Boyd, and that makes a significant difference when you peel onto the game log for this guy. And and I will tell you what, last year, you're absolutely right. He would have a couple catches, then they would double-team him or bring in some safety help. Next thing that happens, he shut down. Like he can't. He's not the kind of receiver that's going to create space. Uh, he is not that type of wide receiver. He's a good hands guy. He's a guy that in single coverage can run good routes and get open. But in terms of like DeAndre Hopkins, who can work out through double coverage and still catch a ball, he's not that guy. And that's OK. So a healthy AJ Green is actually the key to Tyler Boyd's success this year, more than Joe Burrow or anybody else. So I'm going to say it's fire as long as AJ Green is also on the field. Yeah, I, I just th- there's been a disconnect with me with him and also. Mm-hmm. The strangest thing for me, honestly, with Boyd is how did he have such a mediocre 14 or 15 weeks and then become a a league winner in the last week of the season, like out of nowhere? It almost led me to believe that maybe he was playing for a new contract or something else. It's just a bizarre player, at least for me. And and I'm hoping that this this connection from Burrow is the thing that ends up leading him to uh, a lot of success for sure. Uh, all right. Make sure you follow us uh, on Twitter at sports grid. I'll go over to our YouTube channel, like, and subscribe to our shows. As we discuss more fantasy football, you can catch all of this on demand 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And also over on sports grid radio, we're talking not only fantasy sports, but uh, gambling and wagering as well as the NFL season comes in. You're going to want to make sure that you tune into us every day, get the very latest, which would include our show shows from Gabe Morency, the morning after. And of course, our good friend Scott Farrell later on this afternoon here on, uh, on SportsGrid.com. Uh, okay. Coming up next, we preview the NFC East. We're going to go player by player, position by position to show you who you should be targeting on fantasy draft day. And also a little bit later in the show, if you have the first pick overall in your draft, it's not as easy just by taking the first pick. Got to know who else to take to pick in the draft. We're going to do that for you as well. We'll be right back. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello. 
And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia, here till 2 o'clock Eastern as we get you ready for the 2020 NFL season with a lot of fantasy football discussion. And we continue that right now with our look at the NFC East. And Joe, last year in particular, it was not the best year for fantasy in the NFC East. I definitely would say that. Certainly, you had great performances all year from uh, Dallas, uh, from Dallas's uh, Dak Prescott. He had a great year. Elliott was pretty much what you thought he would be. Cooper was up and down. The Eagles were certainly up and down. The Giants had arguably one of their uh, best running backs, you would say, one of the best running backs in fantasy down for a period of time, and Washington was a mess. So will that improve this year? Will we get more offense out of the NFC East? Will we get less? How's it shaping up for you this year? Uh, It's going to be tricky again, I think, this year. It is all about health, and I think a couple of these teams already uh, it's about health, especially for the Eagles, who seem to be already sputtering with health and entering the season. And that's not a good story. They were trying to build up Carson Wentz, trying to give him more weapons. And some of the weapons that he's got right now at his disposal are not 100%. Some are already out. We're going to get to that already to start the year. Some are kind of banged up going into the season. We'll see if they're worse off than we even realize they are now. Uh, I don't necessarily see a team like Washington coming out of nowhere and being an offensive juggernaut. We'll see if they're the team that ends up with Fournette. It wouldn't shock me if they were in on that as well. But I still think this Dallas offense is the one you want pieces of, and I think they're the ones that are going to give you the best return on your fantasy investment dollar for sure. All right, so let's dive in first to the Cowboys and take a look at their situation here. And, of course, Dak Prescott will uh, be back for another season with Dallas and and hopefully having a great season, which is what we're all hoping for, no question, if you draft him. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott right now looks like the third pick for most people in fantasy, maybe the fourth, depending on if you like somebody more or not. Uh, Wide receiver Amari Cooper. We also have Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. Lamb coming from college, so we'll have to temper our expectations a little bit on him. Blake Jarwin, in terms of tight end, it's it's sort of a, a make-or-break year for him now that he has the full opportunity there with Jason Witten having moved on. But Dallas probably gives you the most opportunities, Joe, as you mentioned, in terms of fantasy. I, I would have said that the, the Eagles would have, but at this stage, I don't know that I can say that, and we'll get to that in a minute, but the injuries have really derailed the start of their season. No, absolutely. Uh, look, it, look, here's the thing. Dak Prescott last year nearly threw for 5,000 yards. I think anybody who wants to have any shots at him, they can take all the shots you want in terms of fantasy. It's kind of like Romo in a lot of ways, too. Maybe it's not always perfect, but, man, you look up at that fantasy line, it's excellent. And that's what you care about. And I understand sometimes it'll frustrate Cowboys fans that they can't you know, kind of stick the knife in the heart of teams at times. But I don't care. Dak Prescott's throwing the ball, slinging it around, and you've seen Elliott really emerge as a pass catcher, something that earlier in his career he wasn't doing as much of, and now all of a sudden he was. Ezekiel Elliott is a very safe third overall pick. In fact, I don't think there's any argument for anybody else in that third spot, period, especially now that Kamara is holding out. I don't see anybody else but Ezekiel Elliott as that clear number three. It's safe. Safe is good. Predictable is good in the first round. Then you can take some shots later on. Now, when you get to the receiving core, this is the one that's kind of interesting to me. Amari Cooper is up and down by nature. He is the guy that can win you a week and then disappear for three. That's always been who he was. He's gotten a little bit more consistent last year than in some of the game logs in years past. Michael Gallup also had a thousand yard season. A lot of people didn't see that coming, but that's certainly on the table. And then you've got two other guys in this passing game that really should be targeted. And it's targeted because of where they're going or how late they're going in drafts. The first one is C.D. Lamb, who, yes, he is a rookie, but there's not a lot of scenarios with a team that throws the ball as much as the Cowboys did last year. And you already know last year, Randall Cobb in that same slot role had over 800 yards receiving. 
He's not nearly the athlete that CeeDee Lamb is at this stage in his career, not nearly the matchup nightmare that CeeDee Lamb can potentially be. And I'm not saying he's going to match, but I think the thing to keep in mind is if there is an injury to either Gallup or Cooper at any point in time in the year, all of a sudden that target share goes up. And to get CeeDee Lamb as a fifth wide receiver or even sixth, depending on how deep your league is, is a very intriguing get. You get him, you put him on your bench, and you wait, and you see what happens. And if there is indeed an injury at some point in the season, all of a sudden that's a guy that could really bounce up significantly in terms of target share. And then there's Blake Jarwin, who 124 targets to the tight end last year at the Dallas Cowboys position, most of them to Jason Witten, as we all know. I'm not saying he's going to get all 124 of them, but Dak Prescott, historically in his career, has always targeted the tight end, no matter who was or was not his best wide receiver. So let's say he can even get, I don't know, 90 targets at best, maybe even 85. It's hard to imagine not catching 60 to 65 balls and being somewhere near a low-end tight end one with that kind of volume, and he's shown some glimpses in the past. It was just a matter of Witten was the guy in front of him. Yes, I do agree it's a make-or-break season for him without a doubt. If he doesn't make, then next year he's probably going to get moved on from, but I think it's going to be an interesting opportunity for this offense, and i like some shares of the Cowboys this year. All right, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's been – uh, no fun whatsoever if you're an Eagles fan or if you had an early draft and, and you really invested highly in the Eagles offense because I don't know what it's going to look like the first couple weeks of the season. Or maybe we actually do, just like it has in the past. Because as of right now, Miles Sanders, questionable for week one. Boston Scott, kind of just a guy. Jalen Rager, who is, to me, the most dynamic wide receiver in this draft and my favorite, not going to play at the beginning of the season either. So you're basically left with what you were last year with the exception of Deshaun Jackson is back. Uh, Joe, this is basically probably going to be what we saw. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Over and over again, some running too. But these nice toys that Wentz had to play with, maybe not going to be there at the start of the season. So uh, Philadelphia potentially from the upside from a fantasy perspective may have to happen after the first month. Yeah, look, they're going to have to piece this together. There's no doubt about that. And we'll see if uh, guys like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside can kind of step into the void a little bit. Some other names here on that depth chart that are going to have to step up. But the problem is, if they were good enough in the first place, they would have been higher up. If they were good enough in the first place, they wouldn't have brought back Deshaun Jackson yeah. after giving them nothing last year at that age that Deshaun Jackson is. So you have to have limited upside. Now, the good news is that Carson Wentz, regardless of the same cast of characters, basically was given last year, which is almost none, was still incredibly consistent. Very high weekly floor. He's the only QB one last year to throw a passing touchdown every single week of the NFL season. Just him. He's the only guy. Lamar didn't do it. Mahomes didn't do it. Russell Wilson didn't do it. Just Carson Wentz. So in terms of high floor, he's your guy. In terms of high ceiling, that's going to be the trickier side, especially if Miles Sanders is still struggling with this hamstring going into camp. I will say this. If you're looking for some bodies to throw in for the flex position early on, Dallas Goddard in a deeper league might actually be a viable play for the first month of the season. He is going to get involved in this passing game. It's not something that's going to stay long term, but I think for the first three or four weeks, it would be shocking to see Goddard not looking at somewhere around 10 targets a game or something like that because that need is just going to be there. So it's going to be a tough start for the Eagles, but it was a tough start last year for the Eagles, and so the Cowboys could not put them out of their misery and they ended up going down to the wire last year, and we'll see if 2020 changes that. But I, I think it's another tough year here, at least at the beginning, for the Eagles' offense. 
Yeah, and, and to me, Goddard is a great target at tight end for sure now. He's, you got to move him up a little bit. Because especially, mm-hmm. Look, the fantasy season is only 13 weeks. If Goddard is a huge factor in weeks one through four and he leads you to three wins, it was worth the investment. So people always exactly think it's, the point I'm making. it's about yep, the, it's exactly the late game. It's not always about the late game. It's about the early game in fantasy. The beginning of the season in some ways is more important than the end because you don't make the playoffs if you don't win. Okay, let's move over to the Giants, and Daniel Jones is looking to make uh, the next step toward being maybe an elite quarterback in both fantasy and reality, kind of a borderline starter, I would think, back in maybe two. Uh, Saquon Barkley, if he plays 16 games, is an RB1, no question. Sterling Shepard has gotten a lot of that, what we would call smoke, in the early part of the fantasy discussion here in the late part of August and now into September. Golden Tate is back yet again. Uh, and Darius Slayton, they have a nice, nice little wide receiving core. They also have Evan Ingram, who burned a lot of people last year. He hasn't been able to stay on the field. I think he is probably as talented as any tight end in the NFL. It's just a matter of staying on the field. And maybe that's really what it comes down to for the Giants, Joe, because if you lose any of these key pieces, you lose Daniel Jones, you lose Saquon Barkley, or you lose Evan Ingram, it's a disaster for the Giants. If all of them stay healthy, maybe they're better than what people think. But it's about health for me. It is. Uh, I actually think even an unhealthy Ingram is something you can overcome. It's difficult in any NFL team to lose the quarterback, but certainly Saquon is the most important part. And I do think Saquon is going to challenge for that number one spot. He might fall short of it, but let's not forget how dominant this guy was two years ago. And when he was healthy again, you know, last year he rushed back from that injury. And I think we all kind of saw that. In the last four games or so, you saw Saquon Barkley that you had drafted and you were so high on the first place. And I think that is the guy we're going to get again this year. And when you look at the wide receiving core, I think it's important to look that Shepard's had an outstanding camp. Uh, last year, he showed a lot of progress as well. You worry about the concussions, but it's the NFL. It's just part of the game, unfortunately. Uh, Slayton was a, a, a sneaky good guy. In fact, last year with the sneaky good guy was Golden Tate that I wanted to point out. This year it's Slayton because he seemed to have a really good rapport, especially in the red zone with Daniel Jones. And I think he is that red zone target for them. So although he might not get nearly the amount of targets that a guy like Shepard will get, I think he will see some more looks in terms of touchdown upside. And that's something in a standard league, especially looking for some late round wide receivers that actually pops quite a bit. So I would keep a close eye on Slayton in those standard leagues at wide receiver as you get to your fourth and fifth wide out. And Ingram, and again, it's about health with him. Can he stay healthy and on the field? When he was on the field last year, very, uh, very good numbers. But the problem was, you know, you get hurt a lot. And also, let's not forget to Andrew Thomas being drafted as well. Uh, I think that was a huge win for that offensive line. They had some weaker pieces there. They moved on from them. So a better offensive line, a healthy Giants team, I think can actually surprise and maybe give the, uh, the top of this division a little bit of a play here. All right, now finally... As my phone is going berserk here. Hold I thought second. you were playing with Thank your cars you. again, Craig. You know, I told you, if you're going to, you, when you come to the show, you have to put your cars Sorry away. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realize when you hit the button twice, it makes an emergency call there trying to shut it off. Um, and I have it on vibrate, by the way. All right. Uh, Washington football team. Speaking of emergencies, uh, there's one here in Washington. They do not look like a great fantasy team this year again. Of course, Darius Geis no longer in the plans for the uh, for Washington or, or anybody else for that matter. Uh, their quarterback is Dwayne Haskins, who was drafted essentially to help out Jay Gruden. And now I wonder what kind of length he's going to have if, if he's the quarterback of the future or not, or if this just wasn't a good pick. We'll see. Adrian Peterson is back yet again, chasing down some historical records in the NFL for running backs, although Antonio Gibson is clearly more talented. And I would probably say that Jordan Love is the most talented 
but this is a different speed of the NFL as opposed to the pack. And I, and I, and I wonder what he will be this year. Terry McLaurin was great last year. And of course they have Sims and then they have uh, a guy named Harmon that I have no idea who he is. So Joe will tell us. <laughs> and then they have Jeremy Sprinkle at tight end. So that's how it looks here for the Redskins. Yeah. Sprinkle and Harmon. You don't have to worry about, but I will say this Terry McLaurin is for real. Uh, I was shocked. I didn't think it could keep going last year. It did, despite the quarterback play being subpar to be kind. And I think it's going to continue this year. And I think Steven Sims is an intriguing one too. He's another guy that showed you some moments last year. This is a team that's going to be playing from behind. So there's no doubt that these receivers are going to get some looks here later into games. And even if it's in garbage time, you're going to see that happen. And that's the thing, you know, just because a team is bad doesn't mean they're irrelevant in fantasy. So you get kind of a negative twin. It's like, oh, this guy's on Washington. Washington's not very good. Yeah, but can they get you some late points? Can they get you some cheap points? I know that McClure can because I saw it last year. And I think Sims can be that guy, too. I think the quarterback's going to be a carousel. You're going to see Kyle Allen at some point. You might even see Alex Smith at some point. Crazier things have happened. In terms of the position, it's going to be Peterson. If Bryce Love can show that he's healthy, maybe at some point in the season he gets some looks there. Uh, Maybe Gibson will get some looks. But overall, once again, out of the gate, first month of the season, it's probably AP. Yeah, I I don't like the Redskins at all this year. And there's no reason to like them, although they did fight. They played close games a lot last year. Uh, okay, coming up next, it's time for us to take our quick look at the DFS schedule in Major League Baseball on this Tuesday. We've got a couple of, I would say, very sneaky pitchers that you could choose to go with against uh, some teams that really look like they're not going to be competing for the rest of the way. So Joe will have that as well. Uh, we'll do our top stories coming up at the top of the hour, which is in about 10 minutes from now. And then Joe and I will take a look at what you should be doing from the one hole in fantasy football. If you have the first pick in the draft, can't worry so much about the first pick. Worry about everything else. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. It's time for us to check in on a little bit of the DFS schedule, which is going to be really interesting because, honestly, at this stage, you have teams that are going for it versus teams that are not. And so, uh, with uh, by the way, the Oakland A's, uh, according to reports, not playing until Friday this week. we got a little bit of a lighter schedule. That's the way it's been all season with baseball. Uh, but today, you have two teams, Joe, in the Texas Rangers, and Kansas City Royals that basically showed during the deadline they're going to be playing for 2021. So the question is, is it time to target against those teams? The answer is yes, 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 in the words of Daniel Bryan. And yes, we are going to start with our boy, Framber Valdez. That's right. Framber is the color of my energy when it comes to the DFS show here. Uh, And he is 9.9K against Texas today. It's a really good opportunity for him. He is at home. Uh, I also like Kyle Tucker in that game as well. If you want to load up a little bit, that middle of the order is very reasonable on FanDuel tonight for the Houston Astros. How can you possibly like Kyle Tucker? All the guy does is hit a home run every single day. I know. I know. Well, I like him for the price, too. If he was four point, I know. I'm kidding. I'm being facetious. I know, but... But, but in all honesty, if he was 4.3 or something like that, it starts to give you pause. Like, that's where Soto's price is, and he's got to return that every night. 
Whereas Tucker, let me tell you something. You play Kyle Tucker every single day until yeah, this guy stops. There's been nobody better I'm than him. Bro. I'm yeah. with you. And now, yeah. if you want to go to the all-day slate and get Sonny Gray at the 640 start game, you can do that. But then you're adding in two more games, which I think is a little dicey. And there becomes more variables when you add four more teams into the mix. So I'd rather just go to Framber, same price, take care of business there. Plesak, his first game back, is going to be low-owned. He's ba- about the same price as Framber, so I'd still rather go with Framber. But if you're just trying to look for a little bit of differential in terms of roster ownership, then Plesak is a guy against Matt Harvey in Kansas City. He's going to be stretched out just the way Clevenger was. I don't have any problems with that. He's also got strikeout upside. And then I would look to that Mets-Orioles game today. Uh, best name ever for a guy killing me, right? Like the Mets. The Mets are slowly killing me. And he is pitching today for the New York Mets against the Baltimore Orioles. And I think there's going to be a fair amount of offense, very cheap on FanDuel. McNeil shows you a 2.5 there, but you can go to the other side of this game too with Nunez and the top of the order as well for uh, Baltimore and get a lot of offense, I think, in this one if you want to fade away from the Colorado game and go to Boston, uh, Baltimore versus the Mets. Okay, hour two is next of Fantasy Sports Today. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 